Hey guys, welcome back to another episode. I have a couple of trip reports for this one. I have a Maui and a Las Vegas trip report. And then I'm also going to talk about some ways that you can get to Europe this summer in business class. Because I know a lot of people like to go to Europe in the summer. I'll be going to Europe this summer as well. So I'll just give a result of all the research that I was doing for that. And before I get started, I just wanted to note that I'll be out for the next two weeks, so I won't be able to respond to any messages during that time. So I just wanted to put out this one more episode to hold people over until then. And another thing is that I am considering doing a meetup in Portland. I'm thinking to do it in late January or early February, and I put a link to a Google form in the show notes for people to express interest, and if you have any preference on the venue or the timing of when it's going to be. I also want to point out that Portland does have some very affordable Hyatts downtown. Most of them are category three and would be off-peak since it's winter, so that would only be 9,000 points per night. And we also do have one FHR property. I think it's an IHG something and it runs for about $250. If you have that credit to burn, it's becoming increasingly harder and harder to figure out ways to use that credit because $200 off a $1,500 room is not really worth much. Portland used to have one more FHR property called the Dunaway, but sadly that one, it looks like it's no longer bookable. Sorry if this just blew over some people's heads. What I'm talking about here is the $200 annual credit that you get on the Amex Personal Platinum that you can use at their fine hotels and resorts properties. That's what FHR is. So I know that winter in Portland is not really the ideal time to visit, but it could be good if you're trying to go to like nature or maybe you could go to Mount Hood to do some skiing or some snow activity. I don't really expect too many people to come to Portland just for the meetup, but maybe some people from Seattle might make the drive down here. If there was a churning meetup in Seattle, I would probably drive up there. So there's that. And I just think that meetups are a really good way to advance your churning knowledge. It just feels more natural when you are talking about various churning things with someone that you've met in real life. If I look back on my churning journey, I feel like a lot of it was kind of shaped by some people that I met in real life. So it's definitely something that I recommend. I think there was just recently a meetup of some sort in Chicago for Flyer Talk people. But for that, you had to pay a bunch of money and sit through a bunch of talks, which I'm not really down for. I think I'd rather just have a meetup without any of that. But yeah, feel free to fill out that Google form if you're interested. And I also did have a few people already reach out to me, so that's great. So yeah, for the Vegas trip, it was really just a spur of the moment trip. I had a friend hit me up asking me like, hey, I've got some comps at the wind that I'm gonna go for. Do you wanna join? And we could play some golf and some poker and stuff and have a great time. And I was like, you know what, I'm down. And the plan was just to go for Sunday and Monday night and then come back on Tuesday night. And so because it wasn't those Friday and Saturday weekend nights, the rates were a lot cheaper. And I conveniently had two of those $200 MX Platinum FHR credits to use. So it just worked out perfectly. I think the room rate, including the taxes and resort fee and everything, ended up being $330 for each night. 
So the out-of-pocket cost was about $130 per night when you subtract the $200 credit. But when you book with FHR, you do get all those benefits. You get the early check-in, the late checkout. It was a $30 breakfast credit per person per day. And you also got a $25 welcome drink credit and a $100 spa credit. I think that was everything. So yeah, we had two of the $200 FHR credits, so we had to book each night separately, but that actually worked out in our favor because we ended up getting the $25 welcome drink credit twice, and we also got the $100 massage credit twice, or we would have gotten that had we wanted to book another massage or whatever. And the thing I learned is that the system that calculates these credits are very automated, so they don't really make any mistakes. It's not like Hilton, where sometimes you have to go and negotiate your $15 per person property credit because it sometimes can't handle whether you use it on different days or stuff like that. Or you forgot to put two guests in the reservation, even though you really are two people, so you should have gotten that $15 times two. So anyway, yeah, the win, the check-in and check-out was pretty easy. And yeah, the win, I think by most standards, is the best hotel in Vegas. Everything there just feels really nice, from the casino to the pool to the restaurants and the room. Like, the bed in the room is really nice. Oh, and the spa as well. I mean, the spa and the gym that's inside the spa are just absolutely pristine. And so for this trip, I was able to convince my wife to come with me because we have stayed at the Wynn before and that was back when there was that Wynn Slots app and without paying any money, I was able to spin my way up to getting enough credits to book three or four nights at the Wynn, which is kind of crazy to think about now. And yeah, we really liked it at the time, and now we just like it even more after we stayed at some of the other properties in Vegas. I mean, I guess other places in Vegas are fine, like they can be really cheap, but it can just feel a little bit dingy in Vegas sometimes, and the win definitely doesn't feel that way at all. Let's see, so yeah, we booked the win with those FHR credits, and then the other thing churning related we did was use our Caesars Diamond Celebration Dinner, and of course, we had to use that at the Caesars Buffet. I believe the cost is $60 per person, so after our $100 credit, it turned out to be like $20. And the diamond status just gets you up to the front of the line, even with no reservation, which is great because that probably saved us at least an hour of waiting in line. And yeah, the Caesars Buffet is really good. They have crab and all sorts of meats and mussels and shrimp, pretty much anything that you could want. And we were mostly eating the crab, which was really good. It's always a challenge at the buffet to not eat so much such that you feel sick. But I think we did all right this time. And by the way, Caesar's Diamond status, it gets you more than just that $100 credit. You know, all around Las Vegas, there's separate lines for Diamond people. Whether you want to cash out your chips or there's a separate line at check-in. Diamond also gets you free valet parking if you rented a car. And they also have discounted room rates, but I'm usually not very interested in staying at Caesar's properties. My first choice would be the Win, and then after that would be an MGM property. 
But yeah, Caesar's status is great, and you can get that from matching from Wyndham Diamond that you get from the Wyndham Business Credit Card. And then I'm not sure if they're still doing this, but you could match Caesar's to MGM Gold. And then from there, you could match MGM Gold to Hyatt Explorer's status. And then since Hyatt and MGM statuses expire in different months, you could just indefinitely match each of them back to each other. I think they are closing this because Hyatt and MGM are ending their partnership. So my statuses will be expiring soon, but at least I'll still have Caesars. So for food, besides the Caesars Buffet, we ate at a restaurant called Sinatra that's in the wind. It was one of their fine dining options and it's really good. And then for golf, we played at La Paiute, which is a great course. It's actually three courses. But the golf there is really good. It was a little bit hot when we were there. I think it was about 100 degrees, which isn't too bad because it's the dry heat. And there was a decent breeze, so it wasn't too bad. And because it was technically the low season, because it was summer, the rates were only, I think, $140. Last time we played, which was about a year ago, it was only $100, which is a really good deal. And then for flights, we just booked Frontier because they had the best timetable for when we were trying to go, and the prices were pretty good. It was a little weird, though, because we didn't pay for the seat selection on the way there, and we were still able to sit next to each other, but then on the way back... We didn't get seated next to each other originally, but we were only a couple rows apart from each other, so it was pretty easy just to be able to switch with someone. I know this is kind of bad airplane etiquette to ask people to switch seats, but I mean, if it was me, I wouldn't really mind moving from an aisle seat to another aisle seat that's two rows forward from me. I wouldn't ask anyone to ever trade a middle seat for an aisle seat or anything like that. I suppose the correct thing would still be to just pay to sit next to each other, but it was going to be like $35 for a two-hour flight, and it's just the kind of thing where I would be fine if we weren't sitting next to each other, but if we had someone who was nice enough to be able to trade just like a few rows apart, that'd be great. And another thing about the travel was that the food in the Vegas Centurion Lounge was noticeably worse than in other Centurion Lounge locations. I thought the chicken was a bit more dry than it normally is. But in my experience, the Vegas Lounge is a lot less crowded than other locations, so I guess that kind of balances things out. Okay, so that pretty much sums up the Vegas trip, and I'll just move on to the Maui trip. And for this one, we went in early October, which was about a month or two after those fires that they had. So most things were still pretty cheap. It was a bit of a weird time because after the fires happened, a lot of people were saying don't go to Maui and some people were even saying don't go to Hawaii at all. But then after a week or two, people were saying do come to Hawaii because they want the tourism. So when we went, we realized that the fires were really mostly just contained in this one town called Lahaina. But then at least when we were there, a lot of the hotels in West 
West Maui, like the Hyatt Regency and the Westin Kanapali. The hotels were closed, but the beach and the restaurants were still open, and all the timeshares were still open as well. But then the rest of Maui was just business as usual. So we decided to do this as sort of a remote work vacation, kind of like what we did in Belize. So we left on a Tuesday and then worked Wednesday through Friday and it actually worked out quite well because of the time change so we just got up at like 5 or 6 a.m and then we were done by 1 or 2 p.m and we had the rest of the day to do activities. We rented a pretty nice Vacasa condo in Kihei. That was my first time using Wyndham Points to book Vacasa. And like I said before, it used to be that you could book anything that was less than $500 per bedroom per night, inclusive of taxes and fees for 13,500 Wyndham points per bedroom per night if you have the Barclays business credit card. And then they recently dropped that threshold to 350. So I think our room would still be possible to book with points. It would be kind of close though. I think the devaluation does make sense because it was kind of too good. And at 350 per bedroom per night, that's still a decent deal, especially since Wyndham points can be earned so cheaply. So yeah, yeah, we had the Vacasa in Kihei for four nights, and I think Kihei is a pretty good location because it has a lot of food trucks and more affordable food options. And it's also great to have our kitchen in the condo so we could make breakfast and stuff. I would also say that Kihei is a great place to learn how to do surfing because they have a lot of beginner-friendly waves and there's a few different surf schools that operate out of there. And then while we were in Maui, we rented a car from National Car Rental. And they're the best car rental company, by the way. I feel like their app and their website are really easy to use and if you have an Amex Platinum you can get national executive status which lets you pick any car from the executive aisle which are usually pretty nice cars. I'm not sure if we've just gotten lucky but every time we've picked from the executive aisle we've been able to find like a BMW or an Audi and it's pretty easy to get started with national and once you sign up and put in all your information and book the car. If you go to an airport that has the executive aisle, then you can just get in the car and go. You don't have to fill out any more paperwork. Whereas for Hertz and their President's Circle, when you first match to President's Circle from MX Platinum or whatever, the first time that you book with them, you don't get to use the President Circle benefits. Or at least this is how it was for me. When we first booked with them, it was at Salt Lake City. And for everyone else, there's like a board with everyone's name on it. And I'll say PC if you're President Circle, which means you can go pick from one of the President Circle cars. But for us, it didn't say that. It just said like C agent. And so when we did that, we had to go into the booth to talk to someone and the guy just got kind of flustered because he couldn't figure out how the system works and like couldn't figure out how to get us the president's circle access so we could pick one of those cars. 
And so he was just like, here, do you want that Range Rover over there? And of course, we were like, yes, absolutely. And so that actually worked out well for us, but we definitely got lucky there. But yeah, so far at least, everything with National has been seamless. And hat tip to the Daily Churn for his podcast episode that got me into National. I don't know, normally I don't really like cars that much, but getting a nice car rental on your vacation definitely does make a difference. And yeah, when we were in Maui, the prices were pretty low, I think because of the low demand from a lot of people canceling their trip. Yeah, I mean, all of the people that were trying to stay at a hotel in West Maui got their reservations canceled. The flight tickets were also pretty cheap. It was about $125, $150 each way. And yeah, so while we were in Maui, we did a lot of snorkeling, I did some surfing, and we also took the drive up to the Haleakala National Park, where there's the volcano up there. It's pretty cool up there, and they also have this really long backpacking trail where you can hike in, and they have some cabins where you can camp. So that could be fun if you're up for it. And then on our last night in Maui, on the Saturday night before we left, we stayed at the Andaz. So this is a very high-end property in Wailea, and Wailea is just a really beautiful part of Maui. Everything there just feels very clean. But the price for the Andaz is very high. So it was 40,000 Hyatt points per night. And well, we were just there for one night, which is quite steep. I mean, that's worth at least $500. And we got a friend to do a guest of honor globalist booking for us. So we were able to get a room upgrade to an ocean view room, which was nice. And that also came with free valet parking and free breakfast. And so the hotel was pretty nice. I mean, everything was really beautiful and there was a lot of pools and a nice beach. But I'm just not sure if it's really worth the price. I mean, for the price we paid, it might be worth it for $500. But the face value price of our room was more than $1,500 per night. And that just seems kind of crazy to me. When we look back at the nicest hotels that we've stayed at, probably the nicest one was the Waldorf Astoria in Cabo. The prices there are more like $2,000 per night. But when you stay there, every single room has its own plunge pool. And the rooms are just huge. And the bathroom itself is really big and everyone gets a free bottle of tequila when you check in and all of the rooms are already ocean view rooms so you don't need to worry about getting upgrades yeah i would highly recommend staying there it's probably the best use of the hilton free night certificate apart from maybe the maldives but yeah, so the Andes Maui is 40,000 Hyatt points, and that's already about double the value of a Hilton Freenet certificate. And yeah, the $1,500 cash price for an ocean view room, and that's the price including taxes and resort fees, by the way. I feel like I shouldn't really have to say that. But yeah, whenever I talk about hotel prices, it's the entire cost to spend one night in a room there. And I guess it's just because that's how Hawaii is. It's expensive. 
And when you think about what you're getting, you know, it's this island beach experience with all of the Western comforts. So everything is just really well developed and the scenery is beautiful, all of the landscaping. It just feels very relaxing there. It's not like the hustle of some other beach towns in foreign countries. And of course, everyone speaks English there. So yeah, it's just to have a place that's that beautiful, that's part of the US, it's going to come with that really high price tag. And it just kind of blows my mind how many people are able to afford that. And just to think about how far that much money can go in a lot of other countries. But yeah, so that was Hawaii. I think I'm still glad that we experienced the Andaz just to see what it's like. But the next time we go back to Hawaii, we'll probably just stick with the Vacasa. And yeah, we just had a lot of fun there. I'm already trying to think about the next time that we can go back there, especially since it's only about a five-hour direct flight from Portland to Maui. Although I think next time we might go to Kauai because my wife hasn't been there yet and it just feels a little bit more chill over there. But of course, all of the Hawaiian islands are great. Okay, so I'm going to move on to the next segment, and that's going to be talking about some award travel stuff, and specifically a question that a lot of people have, which is how to get to Europe this summer. And it's one of those questions where if you go on Reddit, the award travel forum, and ask this kind of question, you'll just get downloaded, and people will talk about how low effort you are. Honestly, Reddit in general is pretty negative, so I do try to not spend too much time on there. And yeah, I would say award travel is pretty hard. I mean, I think back to when I first started churning, I had a bunch of AA miles and it had chase points. And the way I would book award travel was just to go and search on the AA website for the flight and the dates that I wanted. And then if I couldn't find anything on there, I would just book something through the chase portal. And this would all just be in economy class. And from there, over the years, I slowly built up my knowledge to the point where now we fly in business class for most of the long-haul flights that we take. So we all have to start somewhere. And don't feel bad if you're not able to find that really special business class ticket. I think if you're able to use points to go on a trip that you want to go on, and especially if it's enabling you to go on a trip that you wouldn't otherwise be able to afford, which is how it was for me back when I was in college, I think that's already really great. So don't get too bogged down into the cents per point you're getting, because at the end of the day, you just need to have a flight, and you probably don't have multiple years of time to spend researching how to get the best flight. Okay, yeah, so how to get to Europe this summer. And Europe can actually be one of the harder destinations for award travel in the summer, especially from the West Coast, just because the demand is so high. So you might be looking on seats.arrow or something like that and see how in the next three months, the availability is actually looking pretty good for Lufthansa and Swiss and maybe some Air France KLM bookings. But in the 
the summer, it can be a lot tighter. So if you're going to book something now for next summer, there are two main airlines that I would recommend looking into. And the first of those is Turkish Airlines. They're the ones that release a lot of availability, especially when you book with the Miles and Smiles program. Unfortunately for that one, you can only use Capital One Miles and Thank You Points to transfer there. And I think also Built if you're in that program. But yeah, so Turkish actually averages 23 flights per day to the US, which is a lot. And they will be running 10 flights per week out of Seattle, which is kind of crazy to me. I think that's the only international carrier that averages more than one flight per day out of Seattle. So that's great for West Coast people. And I think they do run a lot of flights out of San Francisco and LAX as well. But one thing to note is that Turkish has two wildly different products. So their 777 is a 232 configuration where all of the seats are facing directly forward without a footwell. So every seat doesn't have direct alley access. It is still good if you are traveling with a companion or if you're a tall person that doesn't like footwells. But if you want a newer business class experience, then you want to make sure that you're on either the 787 or the A350. And so the great thing about the Turkish Airlines program is, for one, they release a lot more seats when you book with their own miles than are released to partners. And the pricing is also a lot better. It's only 45k miles from anywhere in the U.S. to Istanbul. And I believe you can also get that same price if you connect from Istanbul to anywhere in Europe. Although it can be a little bit harder to find the Saber Award availability within Europe. But yeah, when I was looking for availability for the Seattle route for next summer, it looked pretty wide open. There was multiple seats on almost every day. So this is what I will be flying next summer with my wife to get to Italy. And by the way, I think most people already know this, but for most award travel, you need to book what's called a positioning flight, which is a flight on a separate ticket that will position you for that long haul award in business class. So in our case, we'll be flying from Portland to Seattle on Alaska probably. And then when we get to Istanbul, we will be purchasing a separate ticket on Turkish Airlines in economy class to get to Italy. But when you're doing this kind of thing on separate tickets, you have to realize that if your first flight is delayed and causes you to miss that connection, the second ticket, they don't have any responsibility over you missing that flight. Although in most cases, the airline will still try to accommodate you on the next flight. But I have heard that for Emirates specifically, a person who missed their flight was offered to pay $600 to get on the flight the next day, where if they didn't want to pay the $600, then they would just be out the entire ticket and they would not be going to Dubai. It is kind of an unwritten rule that the airline will try to help you out and accommodate you on the next flight, but they certainly don't have to do anything. 
Another thing is that it's a lot easier to do this if you're not checking bags, because if you are checking bags, in a lot of cases, you'll have to go collect your bags from the baggage terminal, which could be outside of security, and then you'll have to go back in through security. I understand that if you're doing like a ski trip or a surfing trip, that you might want to bring a check bag so that you can have your own gear, and I do understand that. But we always try to travel with just a carry-on, and we found that most airlines, especially if you're traveling in business class, they're pretty liberal with your carry-on bags. Yeah, we've carried on just a ridiculous amount of stuff and no one really cares. I suppose this could be another case of improper airline etiquette. So just keep that in mind. And you guys probably know me well enough to think that I'm probably going to be taking those risks, and so far it's worked out fine for us, but there have been some cases where we were definitely cutting things close, but so far we've been very fortunate not to have missed any flights. We're long overdue for that to happen, whether that's on sec separate tickets or if it's all on the same ticket. So anyways, yeah, look into Turkish Airlines, and one other thing to note is that you can't book a ticket online that's for more than yourself or if it's for other people unless your account is seasoned. But if your account isn't seasoned, then you can always just call in to book and it's really not that much of a pain. The agents are pretty helpful in booking that ticket for you. And another thing is that the change and cancellation fees are $70 per person per ticket. So that's how I'm getting to Europe. And for the flight on the way back from Europe, we ended up booking ITA that is booked with Virgin Atlantic Miles. So ITA has just rolled out their new business class product that's in a one-to-one -one configuration. So similar to the new Turkish product. And for us, our destination is Rome. So that definitely works out well for us. But the pricing for this flight is a bit steep. It is 100,000 Virgin Atlantic miles from Rome to the West Coast. I think it is cheaper to the East Coast, but that price can be brought down a little bit from any transfer bonuses. I think Chase just had one. And the availability for these flights are still looking pretty good. So I think it's a great option to get to and from Europe for this summer. And yeah, so we would just go into Rome and from there you can book a cash ticket to anywhere in Europe for relatively cheap. One quick thing about Virgin is that I have heard some reports of Phantom availability specifically for ITA. Phantom availability is when there's a flight that you can see award space for online, but then when you go to try and actually book it, it just won't be bookable. So make sure to call in to confirm the availability before you transfer the points. So yeah, that's what I've booked for this summer. And there are still a lot of flights available for anyone else to book. And for us, it worked out well because we have to find two seats on each flight that we're going on. And then also our dates are not that flexible. We're usually trying to plan around weekends and holidays and stuff. So yeah, I thought I would just quickly share those deals for anyone that might be interested. And then there is one more deal that I think I should talk about for Europe summer travel, but it's only useful if you are going to go to Europe twice within the next year. 
and that's that there's a pretty decent sale on round trip tickets or open jaws that originate in Europe. And for this one, it seems pretty flexible as to the dates and the destination. They even fly to Portland on British Airways, which is one of the few international carriers that we have in Portland. It does take a little bit of playing around on Google Flights to find things that work, but it really is a lot of city pairs that have this deal. And the prices start around $1,800 round trip, which is a pretty good deal, especially since you can book with the MX Travel Portal and get 1.54 cents per point there. And you'd be getting the elite qualifying miles for taking a revenue ticket. So if you're based in the U.S., it would require taking two trips to Europe within a year. But I still think it's a pretty great deal given how flexible the fare rule is. And if you're in a airport that is a bit smaller, you might not have to take a positioning flight. And just one more thing on the topic of award travel, you probably saw from my email and on other blogs and Reddit posts that Q suites are back. For a long time, these were really hard to book. It was actually kind of funny because I was just randomly browsing on the British Airways website to try to figure out how Cathay releases partner award availability. And I saw a bunch of Qatar space and I thought that was a little bit odd because I heard so many reports of people not being able to find anything. So I just didn't really think anything of it. And then a few hours later, I saw that Reddit post on award travel. And I was like, oh, wow, this is actually a big deal. So sorry if I was a few hours late sending out my deal alert email. So that's all I got for a word travel for now. I do have an article in the Patreon that covers all of the other continents and sort of what I think the best programs and routes you should be looking for depending on how far out you can book and which continent you're going to. But I don't know, I kind of hate plugging my Patreon because it's just like the stereotypical YouTuber. And like I said before, it's not really about the money. Part of it is that I just need a private space to blog that isn't just on the free internet archives. And then it's also just a way for people to show their appreciation. It really does mean a lot to me to know that there's people that are willing to pay to listen to my content. There also is some overhead that I'm paying for to be publishing this podcast. I've got the website and the mailing list, and I'm also paying for this automated podcast editor. So those probably total around $50 a month. And then I also have a few other turning-related subscriptions like Seats.Arrow, some paid groups or deal alerts, discords. So in total, I am paying around $100 a month if you count those. And it also feels good to give sometimes to, just like if you're at someone's $50,000 wedding and you decide to give them a cash gift of like $100 or something. It's not really about the money at that point. So if anyone who is not already part of the Patreon is interested in that award travel cheat sheet that I put together, feel free to DM me or email me and I'd be happy to send that to you. And also if you have any more specific questions about how to plan your next trip on points and you don't want to go ask Reddit about it, feel free to reach out to me and I'd be happy to help you with that. But I will be going on my own vacation for the next two weeks, so I won't be able to respond during that time, but I'll be back on December 4th. Okay, so that's all I got for today and I'll see you guys next time.